What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in on this week's episode. I interviewed Pierre Corbin. Pierre is the director of the film The Great Reset and the Rise of Bitcoin. Um, so obviously, The Great Reset in the Bitcoin um, space is, a, is something we're very, very aware of. If you're not aware of it, though, um, you know, you should start paying attention and maybe Googling The Great Reset to see what that is all about and what Klaus Schwab and all of them want us to uh, to uh you know, live in, in the 10 years from now. So, um, uh, Pierre does a great job of breaking that down in the movie. And, um, and so I really, I strongly recommend you guys check it out. Uh, you can watch the movie actually on movies plus. So, um, and it's free. Uh, you don't have to be a subscriber to watch it. It's under our free content banner on movies plus, um, so yeah, download the app, search in the app stores, movies plus, or go to mymoviesplus.com and you'll be able to, uh, to watch it there. And, uh, you know, hope you guys enjoy that movie. And then I hope you enjoy this conversation I had with Pierre. Cause, uh, I really enjoyed it. We met down in Miami. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, he's, he's, he's an up and coming, uh, you know, filmmaker and Bitcoiner. I mean, you know, he's probably been around Bitcoin longer than I have, so he's not up and coming, but, um, but yeah, the conversation, uh, we had uh, it was pretty good how he went from his you know full time job to switching everything and becoming a filmmaker and a bitcoiner um, full time. So I uh, really enjoyed it, and also thanks to our sponsor Bitbox, the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet from Shift Crypto. Thanks again for the support as always, and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Where are you based in Europe? Or um, yeah, so I, I just travel for the past. 10 months I've just been traveling so not really based anywhere but um, before that I used to live in Poland in Warsaw and uh, that's where I am right now as well so I came here for yeah, a couple of weeks I mean I'll be in Florida next week but other than that I'll be here yeah. for the, the weeks after that I think okay okay so are you going back to Florida for something Bitcoin related or uh, so my film was selected for the sunscreen film festival so I'm gonna oh, nice. head there to uh, you know I don't know, network, see what it's like. Uh, I can't miss on an opportunity like this one. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I know that film festival well. I've traveled the film festival circuit, uh, you know, haven't done it in the last couple of years for obvious reasons, but but yeah, it's it's fun. It's a good time. Um, Yeah, so I've I've never been. So, uh, you know, plus being there as um, one of the filmmakers, I think will be, uh, it'll be cool. Oh yeah, no, it's fun. It's good fun. Mm. So, um, so I guess to start, um, before we get into your film in particular, what got you, like, what's your background? Because you weren't, when we met at, at the conference, you know, you said you were like, you know, you weren't a filmmaker, you had to leave your profession. So, so uh, what did you do before Bitcoin and before filmmaking? Yeah, so I was, uh, I was a consultant uh, in tech, so I used to work for Accenture and uh you know, I was working with different kinds of clients, supposedly uh, focusing on high-tech clients and then software and platforms. Um, yeah, I don't know, did price for Microsoft, you know, just big corporations, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but at the same time, I was into Bitcoin. Uh, and um, eventually, you know, there was just a, a moment where I was kind of thinking, okay, it's either I do this for this huge corporation or I can try and do this for the world, you know? And I thought, okay, you know what? screw this let's go and try and work on bitcoin 
Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, so, uh, what, what was your rabbit hole story? How did you, how did you discover Bitcoin? You know? Yeah. Um, so 2017 when, um, there was, you know, the big run that happened then, mm-hmm. uh, that's when I got into crypto as a whole, not even just Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, you know, I just, just ran this, this bull run and it was, fun exciting you know learning a lot of stuff uh um making some money that then turned out to be a lot of uh, shit coins and not making that money yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and, and that's what happens then right is the bear market uh happens and uh, you just end up your time a lot less focused on looking at the charts and trying to you know find the next you know shit coin that will make you rich you know like then you actually start to study this and you end up realizing that the only thing that is actually worth studying is Bitcoin because every other uh, project is either, you know, useless because it doesn't have the same fundamentals or is gone in six months. So, uh, yep. yeah, so that's kind of how, uh, how I started uh, then just digging into Bitcoin a hundred percent. And what, what was the, what was your shit coin of, of choice? And I, I, bring this up just because maybe it'll help anyone else that's out there dabbling and they feel guilty about dabbling in, in shit coins. I think that most of us have our shit coin history. You know, everybody, everybody did it at one point. And then, like you said, you, you kind of realize the only one that's really worth it. So like, were you just like kind of doing a like, Hey, spread it across, you know, diversify your investment type thing or. Yeah. So, I mean, not, too big of a diversification but uh but yeah i mean i studied finance uh and that's you know the kind of stuff that they teach you at uni right so everything mm-hmm. about diversification and so on so you know me as a you know good student coming out of uh, coming out of this then i thought that if i'm you know now investing into this the rules should be the same and i should diversify so i had a bunch of them i don't know one of them like it was like i forgot the name but it was supposed to be like a decentralized internet kind of thing uh uh yeah some shit coin like pure shit coin but you know i felt i fell for it and it seemed like the team was doing good progress and and in the end uh nothing happened you know and the only thing you're left with is this shit coin that is worth uh, zero or close to yeah yeah and um and you end up sitting on these bags of having gotten you know how many people i think back to it was about this time last year whenever uh, like the Doge meme was really taking mm-hmm. off. And I think I even mentioned it on the podcast that like, this felt really bad. Like, you know, I was at the like T-ball meetings, you know, like baseball for like, uh, for my son and stuff. And like other dads are sitting there and they're asking me like, Hey, you know, what do you think of this Doge thing? You know, you think it's going to go up? And I'm like, no, it's, it's not, um, you know, and I, I mean, I don't even remember what the price was at that point. It could have been, like 50 cents or something like that a doge and now it's like i don't even check prices but i think i saw somebody posted with like 14 cents you know what mm-hmm. i mean so it's just like i hope the people don't learn that and that's what like or don't have to learn that way you know yeah. like by getting wrecked you that's know the hard and, way. yeah exactly and like so you're you're in this many years before me and i credit people like you and other plebs that we all like have learned from because I'm class of 2020. So, uh, you know, it's just a little over two years now that I've been invested in it. And, uh, and that's what sucked me down the rabbit hole. But like, you know, those that came before us made the mistake so that we didn't have to get wrecked, you know? Yeah. Um, and so there's still the people that, 
you know, they chase it and, and uh, try to, they're get, going after fiat games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, okay. So that's your Bitcoin story and that's how you get into Bitcoin. But um, you're, you know, working in the, you're working in the software and tech and you make the abrupt change to filmmaker and in, uh, I guess, yeah. uh, tell people about uh, what, how that came across uh, how you came about that and and the the name of your movie is the um the great reset and the rise of bitcoin um which uh we're gonna work out together to get on movies plus and uh you can see it on youtube and everything but uh yeah tell people about you know how what made you make that change and and becoming a filmmaker one thing going all into bitcoin full time but like then you also went from tech to filmmaker so where did that come from yeah, so I was, um, I always loved cinema. I was always into films. I like, I remember wanting to uh, join a cinema school at some point, which didn't happen because I ended up traveling abroad and studying there. But uh, even there, that was in Australia, in Sydney, I did a, a film course, you know, just a six month film course to at least get a feel of it. And uh, I, you know, worked on some bunch of small, like filmmaking projects I could do at home. So it's always something that I thought was pretty cool. And then, you know, when I when I quit my job, it's also, you know, the kind of format that you, so you kind of do a presentation and then animate this, uh, talk over it and record. Like that's the kind of stuff that I had done for some clients as part of my previous job as well, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because I would do whatever clients needed. And um, uh, so, so I kind of, uh, I felt very comfortable anyway, approaching it this way, you know, doing simple animations, animating them and, recording this so you know um when i quit my job i was thinking okay i want to work on bitcoin that's awesome that's cool good pair yeah, yeah. right you know yeah uh, but uh but what can you actually do and um i don't know i thought of my skill set i even listed out an entire like i i love you know excel and google sheets so i listed out kind of uh, my skill sets and what are the interesting things that i could do uh in uh, bitcoin you know uh, and there was a lot of studying there, obviously, because anyway, the, most of the stuff you have to do as a Bitcoiner is continuously study. And um, yeah, and so that's kind of what I did for the first three months after quitting my job. I didn't know what to do. I was just kind of reading stuff, you know, listening to as much content as possible, getting as much information as I could, um, uh, including the more technical stuff, because I'm like, I'm also a de- developer. So, you know, I was really looking at all the different ways I could go with this. And um, yeah, and I don't know, like uh, eventually I watched the documentary and I got the crazy idea of why not making my own. Um, And I started, you know, really thinking of a story. I wrote everything down and just starting, started editing to see if, um, you know, if I make 10 minutes out of it, what is the flow? Does it, how does it feel? Um, Do I feel like I would be able to do something that is good all the way? And, you know, I thought that it was, all right, I showed it to people around me. Everyone said that, yeah, it was, you know, seemed interesting. And that just motivated me to keep on going and follow the same, the same process. And little by little, you end up with a film kind of. So I, I knew all the, all the, you know, how to edit uh, on a, a tool like Premiere Pro. Um, I knew how to make certain animations. And so, you know, little by little, I just managed to get the work done. And uh, yeah, it's, it just uh, the funny thing too is you could I'm sure just keep going 
and have kept adding content but at some point you're like okay i, I gotta i gotta cap this i guess because um yeah you know yeah so especially if you think of uh you know bitcoin i mean every week there's you know a next story a next reason why bitcoin is better and when you're working on this it feels like you know there's always more you can add and then that's how it's you know that's how it went because at first i wasn't planning on necessarily making this uh full feature documentary one hour 20 minutes like i just didn't know how i was gonna gonna really approach it and do it uh so but it's just little by little I, I was just writing while i was also you know doing the editing and recording very you know work as i go kind of and and that's how more uh more ideas and and new topics ended up uh, uh entering uh, the film and so talk a little bit about the the great reset because that's obviously it's in the title so it's a big part of uh of the film and i think it's one of those things that as bitcoiners we all discover because of bitcoin um but uh you know in your investigation and everything in creating the film what did you learn so the great reset in general yeah because the, the film doesn't talk about it in general but in general it's um this uh, initiative that was, you know, started by, or at least, you know, put in forward in the media by uh, Klaus Schwab, which is the guy from the World Economic Forum. And um, there's a lot of topics around this uh, in terms of what it means. And a lot of them you know, make you go down a certain rabbit hole. There's many different ones. Mm. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, a different... Uh, like not just one tree that takes you down the rabbit hole, but there's all the trees around, you know, that's, and you can choose which direction you go with. Um, and the one that uh, I decided to go with for the film was the, the financial part of it and how um, this is going to impact, ever, impact everyone. And the Great Reset financially means the end of finance the way we understand it now, and particularly the end of uh, our current monetary system, uh, because the US dollar is coming to an end. And there's a lot of things that involve this, including, and this is what I focus on a lot in the film, inflation and how it will impact everyone. So, you know, just the money supply and how it increases and the impact this has on inflation um, and the impact it can have on everyone. And then uh, it also covers uh, CBDCs, which are central bank digital currencies, which are part of this great reset and are part of um, what you know they hope to push down onto mm -hmm. people, which is, uh, especially if you compare it to the alternative that we have, that is Bitcoin, uh, then CBDCs are, you know, the end of uh, freedom. Uh, so it's important to point it out, to mention it, because uh, there isn't so much content that wraps around this story so neatly to allow everyone to understand that it is coming, this is why, and this is what, what it means, and then present Bitcoin as the alternative to all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, so I assume you, did you know a lot about the Great Reset before you started digging into that part of it, or...? Um, was it kind of an so, eye-opening experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes and no. Because again, I was trying to focus only on the on the monetary and financial part of it. Um, mm. So a lot of this I already understood. Of course, you know, there's a lot of research that goes into making a, a, a film, especially if, like me, you're kind of, you know, editing as you're writing. Then obviously, you know, your research will influence what you 
you know go for next yeah uh so yeah so there's a lot of stuff wrapped around this and i was even uh you know wondering should i add these kind of things in my film right so particularly i was thinking of uh you know um showing all the people that are involved in this uh, financial system and this transition that we're going to have and um do a you know deep dive into their own personal history and because a lot of them are involved in some fraud stories and you know try and push it this direction like in this direction but you know sometimes you have to put the brakes on and <laughs> remain that for the next movie right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and and just you know remain focused on on, on the one thing which uh, you know um the the end goal really the purpose of the film was for people to understand our economic system and our economic failure and why bitcoin could be a good alternative for them to consider um so you know so i always even though there was more ideas coming from all over the place as to what i could add i always had to you know just remember to keep it just to this because otherwise you can you go off topic and you can lose uh, the audience yeah yeah it's it's really hard to keep it streamlined um especially mm -hmm. whenever there's so much to talk about um so what did you what do you think is happening right now because like you know you got to look at the great reset pretty closely and obviously get into bitcoin and um and i kind of likened it to like what i've been telling people is that there's this huge plan in place by these very few people you know the the, the families that run the world or whatever and um bitcoin is destroying their plan the control that they've had and i think that they're just basically flipping out like petulant children uh, and trying to throw the kitchen sink at us. So like, what did you, what do you think of, you know, like, how are they reacting to the, the, the people that are perpetrating and, and putting this in place, the great reset? How do you think they're, do you think they're trying to throw the kitchen sink at us just because of Bitcoin or is Bitcoin a main part of it? Or is it multiple things that, that they're, cause I feel like there's a lot coming at <laughs> us right now. There is, right? There is there. But at the same time, there, you know, it depends on what side of the world and what kind of opinions you are open or close to, because there are other regions that you would think um, uh, would be the biggest enemies of uh, Bitcoin that seem to open up. And by that, I mean the US right now, you know, it's very likely a, a, a trapdoor to you know, open everything up for CBDCs like likely right but the way they're approaching it now is general enough and there's the you know there's the states like particular states in the us that are very accepting of this and becoming more and more accepting and for you know doing tax incentives for bitcoin miners and other businesses so um you know the this there's some positive out there right i think the more negative comes mostly from europe uh unfortunately um but then again that's where uh, uh the you know um the guy that runs the world economic farm comes from <laughs> so yeah <laughs> uh, so maybe he just has a you know a bigger grasp here um but um yeah i think the the major thing that they're doing is fighting bitcoin through cbdc's because i think we're past the point where they understand they can't do anything about bitcoin like it's anyway going to happen what they can do is they can trash talk it yeah and they can mm -hmm. try but you know they, i mean 
the amount of FUD that has always come to Bitcoin has always been, you know, beaten up and left behind. And it's anyway the same FUD that keeps on coming back just under a different headline, <laughs> a different mm -hmm. date. Like, uh, so, so in the end, I think, you know, if anything, they're slowing down hyper-Bitcoinization. But because of the rules of open networks, Bitcoin is anyway going to, you know, get past it. Now, what they're pushing for, though, is CBDCs, social credit score, like all this, um, you know, very communist uh, and control focused uh, actions, which uh, we have to block, you know, and I think us as Bitcoiners are in a very good position to try and do that because we have the right knowledge to explain why it's wrong and why it takes away freedom and why people should pay attention and not just let it happen and accept it blindly as we always do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we don't question things, which is oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that it's, I've been thinking about like, I, um, I think one of my fears is that people are going to get like, they're trying to, they realize, like you said that they can't stop Bitcoin. So they're going to basically try and cast a net, you know, like if Bitcoin's here, they're going to cast a big net above it as wide as they can to try and catch people on their way to Bitcoin to basically say no this is bitcoin really you know like you don't really need that um you know it's it's the base layer and it's you know it'll whatever but you come over here use this cbdc use this uh you know use this shiny new thing and hence why i think there's like fifteen thousand shit coins that get you know backed by venture capitalists and nation states and stuff like that so yeah. um do you think that that's a concern going forward here so Kind of. Um, now, one of the things that I show in my film are uh, three actions taken by uh, central banks during deleveraging events. And it's based off the theory that was laid out by Ray Dalio in his video, How the Economic Machine Works. And so there's three things that they do. Number one is lower interests. Number two is uh, to just print money. Right? And number three is uh, to increase welfare spending. Uh, and, um, you know, I go through the, the whole data in the, in the film, but in many countries where uh, above 30% of GDP that goes for welfare spending, okay? and this has increased mostly from uh, the, you know, after the First World War that happened in Europe. And that's when, just before the First World War, when our economies went off the gold standard. And after that point is when welfare spending started increasing right mm -hmm. uh, so when we entered our new fiat infinity monetary system yeah? um, and um, now it's only increasing and the thing is that governments eventually once they create their cbdc their control money their you know take away your freedom money then rather than help people financially by distributing let's say in the eurozone euros to you know their citizens that need it then they can just start distributing this cbdc and force this adoption upon these people and so if you know you have 34 in france there's 34 percent of gdp that goes for welfare spending then that's already 34% of the economy that could rely 100% on cbdc's for just you know their own prosperity or just life mm -hmm. so that makes it even worse because you know it's i mean it's 100 percent coming i think i don't see why they would adopt another strategy that's literally the goal you know 
um, creating inflation will um, increase this uh, welfare spending, which means that it allows the government to have direct control over the citizens that need the government. So we'll always back the government and uh, then be able to you know, distribute a universal basic income through their CBDC that removes even more freedoms and makes these people even more reliant on the governments. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I see this as the best strategy for governments and I think that's, uh, that's ultimately what's gonna be pushed. And wherever they've uh, you know, progressed with any idea of CBDC, that's kind of the way it's been looking. Mm. yeah i think that they're tr i think that they really probably wanted to do this in like 10 years but they've had to speed up their timeline is that something yeah, you're saying? So. but i think for two reasons right one of them is bitcoin right mm -hmm. so i think that they've realized that okay it's been 13 years this thing still works the same way it works definitely better now but it's got like this you know i can imagine someone you know and like bitcoin wait they've got the lightning network what is this thing you know reading it and then going like oh Oh shit! <laughs> oh crap! No. <laughs> yeah. And um, um, yeah, so I think this, of course, you know, pushes them to um, accelerate the this rolling out of CBDCs. But at the same time, we're you know at this point where people need. I mean, soon people will start realizing that inflation is there not because of Putin. Right, it's because of what already happened years before that in terms of monetary supply and what continues to happen. I think it's uh, uh, Dylan Leclerc that uh, tweeted this the other day, saying that um, it's uh, um, that during uh, Weimar Germany they ignored the effects of uh, increasing the money supply on inflation, right? And this led to a war, right? Because there's a moment where there's too much inflation that this is the kind of stuff that happens because you you need a, a reset of some sort you need an excuse to be able to continue pushing pushing more money into the system and supporting the entire system the way it is and which allows to lower the value of the debt that has been accumulated all this time right but um i forgot where i was going with that <laughs> no no yeah, yeah no but, i mean it's basically the direction that we're headed with the hyperinflation yeah all right so the because the second point is um, that they need to give an alternative that will be able to leave all this debt behind that has been accumulated, right? And if you manage to give people an alternative that will be CBDCs that for, a sh you know, well, the entire fire starts calming down, you give them an alternative that seems to be less impacted by inflation, then, you know, it's easy to transition there. It's like, let's just move on to this bright you know green grass and the other part can just burn little by little and individuals will support governments for that because they're not the ones that are necessarily going to be suffering from it it's going to be mostly you know businesses corporations institutions that you know are the ones that have to suffer this entire debt um mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. It is made by Shift Crypto, and it is very easy, user-friendly. Uh, it takes about five minutes to set up your Bitbox. Um, it also is open source, including the firmware on the Bitbox O2 um, and the Bitbox app. And then also there's x-rays of the hardware in the schematics. Um, 
So in the, and it comes in a Bitcoin only version. So the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet, you can get the Bitcoin only version, and that has a limited firmware and only supports Bitcoin. So the less code means less attack surface, which further improves your security when only storing Bitcoin. Get the Bitbox hardware wallet at shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin made simple. And if you use the promo code Bitcoin made simple in all caps, you get 5% off. And I cannot recommend it enough because I use it and I'm actually addicted to using it. And I keep sending Bitcoin off of exchanges to the hardware wallet, like literally every time, you know, if I do my little DCA or my little smash buy, even a hundred bucks, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just send that over to the hardware wallet. So get it at shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin made simple and use Bitcoin made simple as the promo code to get 5% off. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if we don't get a, if we don't get a handle on it, um, it's going to get ugly. And my fear is just for the average person that they haven't really paid attention. Um, you know, I mean, people are starting to go, whoa, no, like it actually at Easter, like family get togethers, you know, hearing different family members say something like, you know, finally, for the first time in like two years, when I mentioned like, you know, they printed all this money and there's like twice the number of dollars chasing after the same number of goods and services. And they were like, yes, exactly. And I was like, whoa, somebody finally agreed with me. Like they're starting to notice because like yeah, I, man. I know they tried telling two years ago and, yeah. you know, the prices of things were getting hidden and in pushed in different places. And um, but now it's the, the, the chickens are coming home to roost, if you will. Um, so what do you think is going on with like, uh, I don't know, like there's they keep talking about food shortages, you know, and like, do you think that's something that's coming? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, food shortage, even earlier, I was showing to my girlfriend even a, a thread of uh, how many, I was telling her, that's a new conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. A thread of uh, how in the past like months, uh, the past few weeks, there was just uh, in the U.S., uh, I don't know how many in total, but over 10 different uh, big food suppliers that were just, you know, burning, uh, yeah, you know, some, uh, even a plane crashed in one of the buildings and it just, you know, lowers the, the, the available food out there and so on. Uh, but, you know, to this, you had the fact that there's a, a war happening, the fact that there's China that has lockdowns right now and no ships are leaving China, or like I think an estimated 30% less ships are leaving China for the rest of the world. Um, you know, so we already have two huge exporters that cannot, will not send their products ab abroad, right? And I mean, a lot of it is also because most of the world doesn't accept products from one of them, which is Russia, right? Um, apart from, from gas, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many reasons for there to be food shortages. And the thing is that if we're in a in a you know very hyperinflationary uh, environment or just very high inflation, then if there's too much money, then you end up with a shortage of goods. So even just the um, you know economical monetary reasons behind it tell you there's going to be a food shortage, right? Every other headline is you know either more wood for the fire or it's uh, just part of this same message right and i think yeah it's going to continue definitely uh, until something happens with these prices because uh, sorry with this inflation because high inflation always comes with shortages um do you think that the 
the high inflation i mean there's people talking about you know do you think it's going to be weimar level where it just absolutely goes and runs and like all of a sudden you know it's uh a hundred dollars a gallon of gasoline or do you think it's going to just they're going to keep you know doing everything they can the way i kind of think about it i feel like they know that the house is on fire and it's condemned and they're just trying to slow it down until the bitcoin fire truck shows up um or the life raft you know yeah 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 well although um yeah i mean i agree with you but the people you know that are hoping on the bitcoin life raft are not the governments though right exactly (laughs) yeah yeah um so i think um what was your question again? Sorry, because well, like, uh, do you think we'll see Weimar level hyperinflation? Right. Um, you know, it's um, basically. I want to say yes. Of course, you don't know, right? Because things things can change. But if the central banks do start increasing interest rates and start really tightening and making it harder for this money to be printed, then we're certainly entering. You know financial crisis recession for the next few years and every price is going to drop towards zero. Um, the what do you think that question, does for the price of Bitcoin? Uh, I think short term, it hurts the price of Bitcoin. I think mm-hmm. long term, it's good for the price of Bitcoin because um, if you're an asset manager, then you, or you know, even a small family, you know, business a money manager, used to always follow the 60-40 portfolio rule, right? So 60% in equities, 40% in bonds. And right now, this clearly doesn't make sense, right? Because bonds are worthless. They're, you know, in some places, they're negative uh, yielding. So, you know, it's really, what's the point of them even existing? And anyway, that's that's not... Your money's going to lose value, but at a less rate than, you know, that's basically what they say. And not that fast, just, you know, half a percent. Yeah. And so the thing is that, you know, if you have um, a situation where they increase interest rates, therefore there's, you know, the stock market that drops, there's real estate that drops, there's, I mean, yeah, bonds again are not even an option. So you have to take your money out of all of these positions and you can't hold cash because in order for to limit the damage and the high prices that are here anyway, and inflation is always a lagging indicator. Yeah, it comes years after it happened. We're seeing now the effects of what started, well, I mean, years ago, but m- m- more, you know, uh, closely 2020, which is when this super aggressive printing started, right? So it's only gonna get worse if you think about it. And we don't know what's gonna be in two years now. So, they, they anyway have to continue printing for that, yet the prices of assets drop. So where do you go? There is one asset that you know, will always be uh, increasing uh, um, against uh, some inflating fiat currencies. And I think that's Bitcoin, which at the same time is the fastest growing asset in the history of finance. It's an open network, just like the internet that has all of these use cases that make it anyway the tool that we have that has to be there for transacting and as a store of value. So yeah, I think short term it will impact Bitcoin, but but just you know to open up the opportunity for others to enter and and need the price the price higher. So yeah. yeah, we need that opportunity for the new classes to come in and not be 
you know, so far behind. I agree. Yeah. Um, now, uh, I gotta wonder. I wonder about you know the mind virus that is Bitcoin, you know, mm-hmm. and how it it enters your brain and uh, and just all of a sudden you're like, wow, everything else doesn't make sense. So what what was like your family and friends' reactions to you leaving your career? to become a filmmaker talking about Bitcoin. Like there were people like, okay, this is just a phase. Is he going through a quarter life crisis or midlife? You know, what in the world is going on here? Um, So I guess, you know, a mix depending on who it was, but I think in general, everyone was quite supportive um, because, because, you know, they knew that I wouldn't do this if it wasn't for like, People know that I'm usually quite good at making decisions about my own life. So they were very supportive about it. They you know, were just more projecting themselves into my decision and explaining why it's not something they would do. But yep. they weren't questioning the fact I was I was, you know, deciding to do this. That was just, you know, um, uh, I would never be able to quit and just live off my, uh, you know, my investments and, you know, this kind of thing. But at the same time, it's not like I approached it like I'm retiring <laughs> and I'm yeah. just you know, chill in the Bahamas till the end of my life. No, like the idea is anyway to, you know, um, build up the skills and the network to make sure that I work on the future of our world. And uh, I mean, it's only positive, right? So there's, yeah. uh, so there, there was in general, a lot of, uh, a lot of support, a lot of surprises as well. I remember the first conversation when I told my parents that I quit my job they knew nothing about, I mean, they knew that I was into Bitcoin, obviously, right? They, yes. But uh, um, yeah, they didn't know that I had this idea. And I told them, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I quit. And uh, <laughs> and my dad spent all his life, you know, working a corporate career. That was, you know, a very successful career for him. And so he was a bit like, okay, wait, so you don't have any plans beyond that? You don't have like another job waiting for you? I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to find it out by myself, you know? yeah well i take it from me i did that uh probably like eight years ago um Mm -hmm. and uh and it was it was the it was the smartest decision of my life um but uh but yeah it's certainly eye-opening to people where they they just go when's where's your next paycheck coming from and you're like i don't know like like you know just so many people (laughs) can't live that way you know like and um you know they just like it, i think it's something with bitcoin as we start to like it, it's like i was a bitcoiner before i knew it mm-hmm. you know because like you just start to like lower your time preference you know whereas like if you're you know some people have to live paycheck to paycheck and i understand that but like if you are if you're living paycheck to paycheck then like you really have a high time preference you know you're you're just you're just making it to the next day. Like you're just focused on tomorrow. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's funny to see people have that stark reaction, but that's awesome that you had the support though. Cause like, I know a lot of people could be like, Whoa, what are you doing here? And, but you, you seem similar to me where like, I'm very calculated <clears throat> and like yeah. think everything through from like every possible attack vector, which is also another similarity of Bitcoiners, like early adopters, <laughs> early ish yeah. adopters. Um, I don't want to try and claim and sound like I've been around here for a long time, but, um, but you know, the like my parents are like, I 
I don't completely understand it, but like I know you wouldn't just do this and like yeah, be an idiot. But yeah, it's funny yeah. then because then they also start to like because just people in general start to like go like, what if this thing goes belly up? And you're like, it's not. <laughs> it's impossible. Like, <laughs> I spent 10,000 hours focusing on this. It's not going to happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad to hear there's someone else out there that's uh, that's dealing with those uh, same questions and uh, and think, everything. Yeah, I think most bitcoiners and I think it's not even uh yeah, the more you study bitcoin, the more this happens, I think. <laughs> yeah. Cuz then more people know that that's what you're into and they will just, you know, challenge question or just out of curiosity right i don't mean they do this uh you know with some not malintent uh, yeah. yeah yeah but uh yeah, yeah i think every bitcoiner has that yeah yeah definitely now um so oh, i want to ask i want to get into more stuff on like the geopolitical end but um but first what's it like in uh in warsaw like have you been there for the most of the pandemic um uh yeah i was here until june last year uh and well you know i've been coming back like i was here also in september and november and for christmas you know so i come every few weeks i come back here for for 10 days to two weeks nice. and uh yeah for the pandemic well it sucked then again uh, then again i guess it sucked kind of everywhere yeah, it's here it's slightly less so though there was uh you know, I mean, there was a push to have everyone uh, vaccinated, but uh, nothing. I mean, there was no enforcing or no, you know, vaccine passes. And even now there's zero restrictions whatsoever. I mean, even like in buses and any kind of trend. I mean, yeah, there's just as if COVID wasn't there anymore. They're still, you know, opening up for uh, vaccines for whoever wants to have them. Sure. But uh other than that, they're pretty chill. And during most of the pandemic, it seemed like Poland was more chill than other countries, uh, yeah. particularly in Europe, you know, comparing to France, to Germany, to Italy. I would think that Poland's going to do the opposite of what Germany does, just based, <laughs> off, just based yeah. off of history. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess so, right? Uh, we'll, we'll see. It's it's kind of interesting in, in Poland because uh, the... Um, the political party that is in power now is the one you'd expect the worst from hmm. and because it's extreme you know it's like extreme right i mean yeah it's a weird kind of anyway for many different topics yeah but they they didn't do any of the bad things i consider that something like the french government put in place even though they have you know supposedly a great president and a great party right mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's uh, that's the funny thing that was, you know, to be observed, I think, here uh, in Poland. It's interesting because, you know, you said you've been traveling so much. I'm like, man, like Poland must be, you know, a lot more uh, lax than most of the world. Um, you know, I don't even know. I haven't even looked into it, what it would be like for me to leave the States because um, yeah. I just figured, if, you know, at, starting two years ago, I was like, I won't be leaving for a while i guess um but uh but maybe i need to start digging back into that and i just saw the mask mandates are pulled so we'll see mm -hmm. what happens there on international travel um yeah. so uh so i don't want to spoil anything that you could potentially be working on or interested in but you can divulge as much as you want 
Um, but I know we had a little conversation about the geopolitics of Bitcoin and what's going on, especially in Central and Latin America. So what have you what are you willing to share about uh, what's what you see going on um, about the actual situation that and if you if you want to share anything you know, potential things that you want to do or whatever, you're free to share. I just don't want to, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I think, um, um, yeah, so I'm thinking early stages, as we talked about, of figuring out how I could make a second film happen, right? And uh, and yeah, I'd like it to be focused more on what's happening in uh, Central America, because this is where there's well, first off, there's El Salvador that has Bitcoin as legal tender, and there's other countries that have politicians that have spoken up about, you know, uh, being positive, uh, liking this idea, maybe moving towards a Bitcoin as legal tender kind of a way of working, but no one has done that step yet. Right? Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that there is a lot of pressure in that region from the U.S., particularly from basically the actors that don't want a world working under a Bitcoin standard to happen. And, you know, I mean, there's, it's mostly the US that is fighting this and they're fighting this on many different fronts, right? Bitcoin is one that I think they just started fighting now. There's the petrodollar front that has been existing for decades now, right? And many wars were a result of this and the fact that energy has to be sold in US dollar, right? So there's anyway always these actors that are there trying to handle their own interests uh, and make sure that certain markets work in particular ways. Now, they um, have also participated a lot in exporting the US dollar and uh, have pushed this towards Central America and South America as well. And there's you know, a lot of economies there that work based off the US dollar, or if they don't, you can still almost pay for everything in US dollar there. Um, and so they're putting a lot of pressure in that region uh, for Bitcoin not to be adopted because it would be a big hub. The president from El Salvador is the most popular president in the country in the modern history of El Salvador and is also the most popular president in the entire region. And he's working on trying to reunify this region economically, right? There used to be one country uh, that separated and uh, he's working on a just economical reunification for these, you know, countries to be, you know, together stronger. Um, And I think it would be very interesting to study why this is happening and explain this entire move of the US dollar um, towards the region globally as well, you know, explain the petrodollar because it's it's an amazing story uh, in terms of understanding, you know, just monetary policy around the world, geopolitics. Um, I think just this makes it fascinating. And, uh, and then focus on Central America where there is this Bitcoin adoption and why it's being blocked and then present why it shouldn't be blocked, why the actual thing that is happening by blocking Bitcoin is blocking freedom. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so there's a, I think there's a great story there, a lot of research to be done with very interesting things. And, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to trying to do this research and working with other Bitcoiners to do so. So again, still very early stage, you know, I'm trying to figure out 
who can help in that, in what way, uh, and how we can all collaborate together and then hopefully be able to get some funding and uh, start rolling. And so, you know, you're seeing uh, Bukele in, in uh, El Salvador. I mean, it, he was supposed to come to Miami and then he didn't. Do you think that's like anything fishy going on there? And like all of a sudden there's all kinds of like gang violence in El Salvador. And, you know, because well, if you think about like, I mean, just going down, putting on my tinfoil hat, um, mm-hmm. you know, all these countries that have become dollarized because, you know, El Salvador got rid of their currency. So they use the dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like, it's almost like uh, the, the cryptocurrency known as the US dollar is legal tender in a bunch of these countries. And it's a, it's like a true altcoin where it takes advantage of the people that use it and Bitcoin's coming in and making the, a, a level fair playground. Um, so or playing field playground, what about it? Um, but, uh, but so they're leveling the playing field and, you know, kind of like we said with the 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 new uh, new world order, um, the World Economic Forum's Great Reset. Do you think the U.S. is trying to muddy things up to be like, whoa, 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 we like you guys using the dollar. Don't use this Bitcoin thing. Um, and I just found it odd that Bukele had to cancel his trip to the U.S. I don't know. Am, yeah. I, am I crazy? Um, yes. No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think that... Uh, uh, but so okay. First off, Bukele not coming to Miami. I think that's. Um, I think it was the logical choice in the sense that there is this, uh, you know, big gang problem that is now all over the media there um, because of you know these big killings that happened, and therefore the government just went all in and stopping. I think the other day I saw that in twenty one days they arrested like twelve thousand people, which is crazy, and. Um, you know, so state of emergency in the entire country. I think it just, you know, it would have been, it wouldn't have been reasonable uh, for Bukele. Like, I think the media and the opposition would have gone hard against him that, you know, there's all this stuff happening at home, but you decide to go and play and talk Bitcoin with like, uh, you know, because for locals, Bitcoin is not important. They know Bitcoin is there. They all receive their thing in cheaper wallets. A lot of them, uh, uh, you know, withdrew it instantly and they don't care about Bitcoin because they're, you know, they're mostly poor. It's a small economy and they're, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. So they just don't care. And when there's this big thing happening in the country and your president all of a sudden goes off to party in Miami and just talk Bitcoin, uh, which for them is not an important topic, then I think it just wouldn't look good. Yeah, so I think that's why. Now, when you talk about you know your tinfoil hat and, and the the killings that were there, I mean, we don't know what happened. What we do know is that this kind of stuff provoked by the U.S. has happened already many times around the world, right? Uh, and in the region as well. And most of the gangs that exist in Central and South America were put there by the U.S. I mean, they were armed by the U.S. They were like. You know, so so in the end, yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that they did something like that. But but we don't know. But this is why um, I would also want to do some research about these topics, uh, because you know, 
pushing this research, working with other people that help doing uh, research on it can allow to really dig deep and uh, um, see how much of the dots are actually connected. Because, you know, we have some information, therefore we have four dots and we connect them. If we have 20 dots, then you can really, you know, go make sure you fill in the space between your original dots. If this mm -hmm. Kind of like one of those like draw by number dot yeah. things where like yeah, i had the same image when i explained it <laughs> yeah so it's a great minds think alike um yeah it's it's interesting i mean you know it's always i always tell people it's not the crazy theory but it's not the like self-explanatory simplest explanation it's it's somewhere in between it's not what the media is telling you because yeah. they lie yeah. but it's not it's not the narrative but it's not the the like you know you go down the way like all the way down um Cause like, I mean, I've, I've seen like whenever, if somebody brings up like flat earth and I'm just like, okay, I gotta, like, <laughs> I can't, I, I can't go there with you. Sorry. Like, yeah. you know, it's a, uh, let's a little crazy, um, you know, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm willing to entertain uh, certain things. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. No, but I think again, you know, as I said, this kind of stuff happened before with the thing is we don't have any proof to say whether this time was the same right i know that there was apparently that's what i heard that it, it, the reason there was this masculine the official reason that uh, that i found was that there was just big killings uh um because of the fact that the government was cracking down on the national bus lines and wanted to make sure they have control over that over them because the gangs had control over them Mm -hmm. Before, like a few of the people that were killed were bus drivers and uh, um, and other people that were involved somehow with the gangs, but but civilians though, not gang members. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they have a big problem with gangs there anyway, right? So I think, uh, yeah, that was just a little drop that uh, made the how do you say it? Uh, that like in, in French at least you have a saying that says that like that's the little drop that made the you know the water flow out of the vase. Oh yeah, yeah, the straw that broke the camel's back. That's what we. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I tell you what, I I appreciate you coming on the show and and sharing your story on on how you got into storytelling. Um. And uh. You know. So we we'll have arranged something by the time uh, this comes out on Monday, uh, hopefully uh, to, so people want to watch the movie. I mean, it's on, you can see it on YouTube, but uh, we're putting it on movies plus. Um, and I really am not, you know, just shilling my own company, which I am, but, um, but uh, I really strongly encourage people to check it out there um, and check out the other Bitcoin content we have um, because somebody like Pierre is the type of person that we want to support. Um, so the more support we have in terms of customers, uh, the more support we can give behind uh, content like uh, Pierre's where, you know, frankly, I'm shocked that it's not censored off of YouTube. Um, are you surprised by that? So I think it's not because I made sure to stick only to, you know, monetary stuff, finance stuff. Mm -hmm. I think had I opened up the other doors, then it you could have. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, if you, you know, the other thing too, we're, we're freedom of speech maximalists. I say that all the time. Um, so uh, it'd be, it'd be fun to be able to partner with Pierre and uh, get, uh, get uh, some more unfiltered thoughts. Um, yeah, and, no, and it's it's great actually. I'm very happy that my film can be on your platform too. You know, but just 
opening up the distribution, allowing to make sure that it will be available always somewhere, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's the best way, the, the best scenario I can imagine for my film, you know, that's, uh, that's why I made it. Okay, and then the, the title is The Great Reset and the Rise of Bitcoin by Pierre Corbin, right? They say yes. that right. And where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter. Uh, just uh, you can search for Pierre Corbin or Pierre or my at is Sierre, so C-I-E-R-R-E, Corbin, P-O-R-B-I-N. So my name just inverts the first letters. Oh, nice. I didn't, I don't think I realized that maybe that means I'm like partially backwards dyslexic or something. Cause I, <laughs> I just assumed it was spelled correctly. Who knows? But, uh, yeah. well, Pierre, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to doing this again sometime. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. Great talk. Thanks again to Pierre for coming on and thanks again to Shift Crypto and their Bitbox O2 hardware wallet for all the support. And I will catch you guys next time.